Take your Bibles now and open up to Luke chapter 11. I'm going to read beginning where we'll start. Then I'm going to pray. Verse 14 says this. And he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. And so it was when the demon had gone out, that's a good day, that the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. That's a standalone verse worth study and application, what Jesus is doing. He's always doing stuff. You guys know that, right? You're not always doing stuff. You get distracted, you get weird, you even get sinful and evil and rebellious. I do too. Jesus, though, on the grind, on his way to the cross to die, sees a guy who's mute because of a demon. He's got a physical problem because of a spiritual condition. And Jesus, if you would, is not too busy for this guy, but says, that guy needs help. That guy needs me to change everything for him. And he goes into this guy's life and casts out this demon. He doesn't negotiate, doesn't arm wrestle. Okay, he doesn't fight. He just says, go, enough, enough, enough. And this guy begins to talk and everyone marvels. And I just want you guys to trip out with me on the goodness and the grace and the purpose of Jesus in the lives of people. He's, these guys, the 12, the disciples were with him. I'm just gonna go ahead and stand in their shoes. They probably would have seen the guy not talking and said, I kind of like you not talking. It's okay with me, you know. You're quiet and easy to deal with and doesn't bother me. And yet Jesus, his compassion for people is what you and I need to both apply to ourselves. Do you see that in your own life today? Do you see that Jesus looks at you in your physical and in your spiritual battles and he sees what's going on? He says, I, I, I see you. No one else does. No one else can help you. You're muted and maybe even that's okay with the public. I love you. And Jesus enters into this guy's deal. Look at the reaction, verse 15. It says, the multitude marveled. There was marveling going around. This is before Marvel Comics. Okay, it was in the scriptures prior, and they were marveling back then too. Verse 15, though, but some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the rulers of the demons. Others, testing him, sought from him a sign from heaven. Stop right there, eyes up here. Some people are marveling. They're like, whoa, did you see that? Other people are like, yeah, old trick. He's using demons against demons. I see it all the time in these Marvel comic books, you know? Like, and, and, and I just, I look, I'm like, what did you just say? Like, he's using a demon against a demon, and Jesus will use that logic and pick it apart and say, that, that doesn't work. You can't use, you know, one against one. They're on the same team, these demons. They don't shoot each other. Okay, that's not how it goes down. We would like them to, but they don't. And that's the logic of some people in the world when they see Jesus set people free, they just rationalize it away. Well, it's just this and that. It's not a big deal. Not, Jesus just did a miracle. Now, there's another group of people, though, and we'll talk about this at length if we get to it. Another group of people don't rationalize it away. Instead, they say, hey, do something else and we'll believe in you. Do a, do a sign from heaven. Like, that was pretty legit. Like, you got us to marvel a bit. But can you do something not on earth, but something from heaven? Like, can you do, like, a solar eclipse or something crazy? You know, like, bring something down. Do something more. And if you heard this argument before, maybe even from your own heart, the Lord's done this stuff. He's delivered you. He's healed you. He's healed people around you. And yet in your rebellion and weirdness, you're like, do something else. I'm not impressed yet. Do, do some more. And the Lord's like, more? Did, did I not? And we'll talk about that. Here's what Jesus says, and then I'm going to read a lot of red letters, getting all the way to verse 28. That's where we're going today. We did 14 verses last week. I had so much fun. We're doing 14 verses again this week. Verse 17. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against itself, or house, uh, divided against a house, falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, well, how will his kingdom stand? He's using this logic against them. I'm using Beelzebub to cast out demons. 
And he says, because you say I cast out demons by Beelzebub. Verse 19. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom you, do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. Jesus points out in verse 19, I'm not the only one casting out demons here. You guys have Jewish exorcists rolling around doing the same thing. I'm using the same power they're using. And if you're going to accuse me of using Beelzebub's power, then you've got to accuse them as well. And the whole logic, by the way, for you thinkers and debaters, using logical, reasonable arguments against agnostics and atheists and haters is really all you need to do. Just kind of open it up a little bit and peel back the layers. And Jesus says it's illogical what you guys are saying and presupposing. Verse 20, but if I cast out demons with the finger of God, I've got that circled and underlined. It's not but if I, it's almost like saying because I am casting out demons with the very finger of God. I'll read it as it's written, though. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. It's a bold statement. There's marveling going on, and then there's debating and scrutinizing. And Jesus says, did you not see what just happened? By the very finger of God, I healed the, the kingdom of God is here right now. Make a decision. Make a decision. Which camp are you in? Which team are you on? Verse 21, he gives some more illustrations of demonic warfare and demonic activity. When a strong man, fully armed, guards, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all of his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Final few verses. And when an unclean spirit, Jesus teaches, goes out of a man, he goes through a dry place, seeking rest, finding none. He says, you know what, I'm going to return to the house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. And then he goes, and he takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first state. Now, Jesus is saying this to the crowds in lieu of a miracle he just performed. People are listening, and all of a sudden, one gal, one lone voice, shouts out what we're going to end with, this thought. She yells from the crowd, and it happened, verse 27, as he spoke these things, that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts that nursed you. Kind of a high compliment. Man, your mom is so legit. Like, it's, it's, it's a double compliment. Like, you're so legit, but not even as legit as your mom is. Like, you're so legit, your mom's obviously legit. Maybe Mary was right there, like, ah, you know, I'm pretty legit. I did a good job. I did a good job, you know, I did a good job. And in, in, in all of that is true. You guys know that Mary is blessed among women. Not blessed above women, blessed among women. She's the most blessed um, among women. She was chosen to be the very mother of God. She's blessed. So this woman is right. Man, she, Mary is so blessed, okay? Blessed is her. And Jesus says something very unique, though, very profound. Because who could be more blessed than Mary? Jesus actually has somebody. It's not just the mother of God, but it's those who are part of the family of God. That's you and I. What God chose for Mary to do is undoubtedly unique and amazing, for sure. But what Jesus says is where we're going to end today when we get there. Jesus says in verse 28, but he said, more than that, the one who bore me, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. 
You see, because Jesus had just got done teaching on spiritual warfare, demon activity, the physical, the spiritual, all the stuff happening. He's just teach, 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 teach. And this gal, maybe even off topic a bit, says, dude, that was so legit. Your mom's awesome. I love your mom. And he says, that's cool. You should. But you want to know who the most blessed people are? The ones who hear, which is what you're doing here today, and the ones who do, which is our challenge after this Bible study. The ones who hear, who know the truth, but also the ones who decide to take that information and turn it into application, which will then result in transformation. And lives are changed. Your whole life is changed. Not just from information, it's not enough, but application will then lead to transformation. So I'm going to pray now and ask God to bless this time. Jesus, we're here now to study your word, and we do so with great joy, with great expectation. We do so, Lord, like the people in that crowd that are marveling. Most of us here, we're marveling at what you've done. It's just crazy. We too, like this demonized man, had issues physically and spiritually, and you've touched us, sought us out. You went to bat for us. You were the stronger man who came in and undid that which the devil had against us. We thank you for that. There are others here today that are trying to rationalize it. Eh, it's just it's not that big a deal. It's, he's using a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And, not going to freak out about it. It's, it's all explainable. And there are other people here today, Lord, that are not on the team yet, and they're still wanting more. They want to see another sign. And Jesus, you would say, no, 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 no. Blessed are those who hear and obey. If you're not for me, you're against me. If you don't gather with me, you're scattering. There is no neutrality. You're in or you're out based on your conclusion of who I am, what I say. So Jesus, I'll be the first to humble myself and say, I need your help today. I need your help to hear. I need your help to do. I want to be blessed. I want to, I want to believe what you said, Jesus. Even more blessed is the people, the person who hears and does. And so I ask Jesus that you would enable us to do just that. As I now begin to teach, Lord, and put many words to the text that we just read, I pray in advance for your great grace to take what is said, to apply it to our hearts, that lives might be changed forever. Lord, forgive us for being aloof. Forgive us for being, Lord, uh, self-interested. Forgive us, Lord, for being rebellious. And may we now find ourselves more in tune with what you're doing than ever before. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, today we get to talk about demons, which is uh, not everyone's favorite subject, but it is the weekend of Seafood and Wine Festival. So um, we'll just, I kid, I kid. It's not even funny. I don't know why you guys are laughing. It's not even funny. And, uh, but before we get there, before we get there, uh, I, I wanted to remind you of what we studied last week just a little bit. It was the Lord's Prayer. You guys remember that time? And the Lord said, he, he, here's how you pray. When you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy. We went through that. And I just want to ask you guys, how was your prayer life this week? How, were you more willing to approach the throne because of the view of God as your father and you just as a little naive kid that just thinks you belong there, which you do? Was there any more interest in your heart towards God's agenda based on what he's doing in heaven as it is on earth? I hope so. And in case you already forgot that last week we learned about prayer, before we get into demons, I want to talk about prayer just one more time before we get a running start because prayer is so important. Especially if we're going to talk about demons a little bit today, okay? We're going to talk about demons. Let's talk about prayer, too, because that prayer is how we're going to find ourselves protected from all the craziness around us, okay? Prayer changes two things. We studied that last week. It changes our circumstances sometimes, but it always changes you. Did you know that prayer, the lack thereof, or the action and participation thereof will be noticed, noticed in your life? 
your spouse, your friends, your coworkers, your people around you will notice you've been praying. They can just tell. Listen, scary, uh-oh. Or they'll be able to notice that you haven't been praying, okay? Because you're kind of ornery like a bear that just got woke up from hibernation, like, oh, ha, ha, you know. And as I was putting this together last night, I thought about the contrast. Remember Momo? Remember Moses when he went up to the mountain of, not of his own transfiguration? When he went up in the book of Exodus and received from God the commandments, and he spent 40 days up there with the Lord. And when he came down, you guys know the story, Exodus 32, he comes down and his face is glowing, okay? Because of the time he'd spent with the Lord, it changed him. Now, when he was up there, though, what were the people of Israel doing? They were not praying, for sure. Okay? They were not spending that time in prayer, seeking the Lord. And a couple things happened. Number one, they lost their allegiance to Momo. They said, where'd that guy go? What was his name again? I can't even remember. Hey, Aaron, would you be our new leader? 40 short days of not praying, and they decided to disengage from the leadership that God had given to them, had delivered them. Not only that, they began to then do foolish things. Remember, they took all their jewelry off their ears and their bracelets, and they threw it into the fire. And Aaron had this crazy story. Yeah, we just threw it in the fire, and out jumped this calf. It was nuts. I mean, talk about a story, you know. Like you high schoolers, you have stories. You know, I don't know what I was here, and I went there, and I came back with a tattoo. I have no idea what happened, you know. I have no idea what happened. It's like, well, no, I, think, I think you know what happened. And Aaron has this crazy, and, and you got two groups of people, one seeking the Lord, praying, doing stuff, and, and he comes down with the word of the Lord written and his face glowing. And then you have another group that wasn't praying. Okay, and this is where it gets scary for you and for me. Because we have free will. We don't have to pray. We don't have to. Okay, but it'll be noticed. It'll be visible in your life. And I need, as your pastor, to remind myself, to remind my wife, to remind my kids, to remind you guys, to remind my staff, to remind everybody I see, hey, hey, we need to be people who are praying. The disciples were with Jesus. And they said, hey, Jesus, you're kind of nuts. Like, you do things, and it works. And we connected the dots. We realized it's because of your time spent in prayer. That's what makes you so amazing. You're tapping into something that we need. Would you teach us to pray? So before we get into demons, I just want to remind you guys, if you had a, oh yeah, we talked about prayer on Sunday. Man, I was going to pray on Monday, and I totally forgot. You know, I, and I was gonna, whatever the case is, you and I both need to be reminded. Because even after this lesson we just studied last week, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus would lead the disciples, three of them, to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he specifically said, would you guys pray with me now? Oh, yeah, for sure. Law, oh, I'm so tired. And they went to sleep. And Jesus comes back and he's like, yes, you guys are sleeping? I'm bleeding. I'm praying so hard. And he's like, Jesus like, oh, you know, they fell asleep again. So I'm just like them, and you're probably just like me. So let me just remind you about prayer. How's it work? Because it can get frustrating, can it? Can you not pray and be like, I prayed and nothing happened? Remember the threefold answer that God always gives. Every prayer you've ever prayed ever has always been answered, just so you know. Right now, some of you are like, I prayed and it didn't get answered. Mm, no, it's not true. It did get answered. There are three answers that God always gives. Yes, when your prayer is answered. No, when your prayer is rejected because it's not God's will, it's not good for you. And not yet. Where God will do what you're asking him to do, but just not yet. Kind of like when my kids ask for motorcycles, Okay. The answer is not yet, okay? It's not no, it's definitely not yes, but it's not yet. You know, when you get a little older, like when you're 60 or 70 years old, then we'll get you a motorcycle because that's the path I'm on. I got to wait till I'm at least 60 to get one or 50, maybe 50. But anyways, so God answers our prayers, yes, no, and not yet. And I would just give you two thoughts to consider. This will help you. Number one, I believe God doesn't just answer all your prayers as soon as you pray them give you everything you want, because if he did, if you showed up and said, Lord, would you give me this? You would take whatever he gives you, and you would be out of there, okay? 
take off him. Enjoy what he's given to you. And the Lord says, I, I do want to give that to you, but I also enjoy you. I like your voice. I like your presence. If I just gave you every single thing you asked for, if I was that heavenly bank account you just kept drawing from, we would not have sweet fellowship together. And so you know what I'd like to do? I appreciate your prayer request. It's in my inbox. Can we have this conversation again tomorrow? I just like you. Come back tomorrow. Let's talk some more. And instead of just getting everything we want because we would become spoiled brats, and I think this will help some of you. I should pray today. Why? Well, because I'm overwhelmed. That's true. That's true. I should pray today. Why? I just want to spend time with the Lord. I think he might actually like me. That's what Pastor Luke said. I've gotten up before and been disciplined to pray in the mornings. And I've gone to prayer with this mindset of duty. This is my duty. I got to pray. And the Lord says, that's cool. I appreciate that. It's kind of sacrificial and awesome. Good job. Warrior-like. Wouldn't it be cool, though, if this was also a delight? Wouldn't it be awesome if you knew, believed that I just love you, that I don't just want to see you on your knees or grovel or whatever it is you think I'm impressed by, but I just enjoy your presence. Not everyone's going to do this, by the way, okay? Some of you are going to just go right along, pray the exact same way you've been praying, nothing's wrong maybe, or maybe you just don't pray, but some of you, I, I pray you take this in to consideration. He just, he loves you. All of us in here right now are looking to be loved. You guys know that, right? Yeah, we're looking to be loved by somebody, by something. Validation, success, identity. Okay, and the world affords it to us and says, if you go after this, you'll get it. If you do this, you'll get it. If you have this, this will be yours. And the Lord says, I, all that is from me to you freely and forevermore. And there are so many counterfeits in the world. And if you would choose to find your highest validation and acceptance and approval and your biggest cheerleader being your father in heaven, Okay, you found the secret of life. Secondly, and last thoughts on prayer before we move on. He said in the text that we studied yet last week previously, if a son asks for bread, he's not going to give him a scorpion. If he asks for food, he's not going to give him a stone. All these things. So too, did you know that the Lord wants you to pray, to ask, seek, and knock? Because sometimes when you're asking, seeking, and knocking, what you're indeed asking for is scorpions and stones and sticks. He says, let's just pray about that. And you're like, Lord, give this to me, please. And he's like, we're just going to let that one cook for a minute, okay? Come on back tomorrow, and let's just kind of see how that develops. And as you come back the next day and the next day, and you keep praying about this particular situation, you have found that all of a sudden your wants change, your desires mature and develop. And that which you once asked for, Lord, I want this so bad, please. And he's like, let's, let's, let's just wait on that. And after a while, you find that what you wanted so badly to you, it's like a stick. It's like a scorpion. Let me ask a question for some of the mature believers. Has the Lord said no to some of your prayers over the years? And today, when you think about his no, you smile real big. Thank you. Thank you. I, I had no idea what I was asking for. I was asking for scorpions. And the Lord says no. It's kind of like your kids when they get to their birthdays or Christmas and they begin to put those wish lists together. You know, they get the toy catalog and they circle stuff or they write stuff down. My daughter's birthday's in May, okay, late May. And she asks me about every day, how many days until my birthday? And I'm like, like 90, you know, it's a, it's a long ways away. She's like, you still think, you know, is that a long time? She's six. I'm like, uh, kind of. So she's got her list going, you know, and what she wants. And as she writes that down, it will mature and grow. There'll be things for sure that drop off that list and she doesn't want anymore. And I believe 
the discipline and the delight and the duty of prayer helps us to process and eliminate that which we think is so important. And I have wanted and yearned for and even begged and pleaded for certain things in my life. It just it never happened. And now at age 39, sitting here with you and my wife and my kids and everything, I'm like, wow, I'm so glad the Lord didn't give me what I thought I wanted so badly at that time. I think it was this last week, Billy Graham died. He went to heaven, 99 years old. They say on record that he preached the gospel to over 218 million people live, okay, crusades. That's a lot, that's a lot of people. They say over, over a billion people have been impacted by him via those crusades and the rebroadcasts and print and all the things. Over a billion people. Now, his wife goes on record to say that before she met Billy, she prayed to marry five separate different guys at one point in her life. Lord, would you just give me this guy? I just think this is the one. And five times, Lord says, no, not him, not him. But Lord, he's so spiritual. He's a Sunday school teacher, you know. And Lord says, that's awesome. That's good. That's good stuff. And after the fifth one, five, she said, Lord, is it, is it this guy, Billy? Is he the one? And the Lord says, yeah, that's, that's the one for you. You're going to be very pleased with what I've given to you in the man of Billy Graham. And so five times, though, she had to suffer with this reality that God says, no, you don't know what you're asking for. And I would just tell you young people who are going to be heartbroken this next year, it's going to be things that just do not develop. Oh, I wanted that job. I wanted that person. I wanted that place. The Lord knows. Hey, God, God, can I have a, a stick? No, I'm going to give you bread. I'm not going to give you the stick. Okay? I'm not going to give you a scorpion for a spouse or a thing for over here. I'm going to bless you. Just hold out. And you find yourself walking in seasons of trust. Okay, Lord. And I, I've seen people over the years pray and have their hearts broken for decades. Okay, and that's the Lord's prerogative. And then I've seen after decades of pain and difficulty and trust, fruit born answers to the prayer whoa there it is not according to my will or my timeline i've got a weird timeline and you've got a weird will but the lord says, I, I know what i'm doing and so for you who have prayed and it didn't happen and, and you feel like you got the short end of the stick keep praying keep asking keep knocking why because he loves you he just loves your voice he just loves to hang out with you early, early this morning. I got up pretty early. But then my daughter decided to challenge that and see how early she could get up as well. And as soon as she came down the stairs, I could hear her breathing at the bottom of the stairs. Me and, me and the dog both looked up like, are we being invaded? Who's here, you know? So I got up to investigate, and there she was standing there. She knew it was too soon, you know, too early, you know? So I forbid her from coming down into my presence. <laughs> I didn't. I made room for her on the little chair I was sitting, you know? put my Bible down, put my commentary down, put my pens down, and I just hugged her for about 10 minutes. Just because I, I knew that's what she needed right now. She just needed that. And I could give it to her. So to the Lord says, you know what you need? You need that. You need it. You're welcome in my presence. I love you. And we're so busy. I'll speak for myself, but we're so busy. And the art of prayer, the discipline of prayer is one that we need to continually be taught in order that our faces might glow like Moses, in order that our hearts wouldn't grow hard like the children of Israel, 
disengaging from the leadership and the family of God like they had done and then doing foolish things. We've all done this. When seasons of prayer are neglected, inevitably you'll follow suit with the children of Israel in the scriptures. Inevitably. Hardened hearts, disengaged agendas, foolish activity. I've done it. Got the t-shirt on accident. Been there. Well, as Jesus teaches this, let's now segue into this new territory, okay? Jesus casting out demons. And uh, this isn't necessarily my topic of choice, which is why I'm glad that we study the scriptures uh, verse by verse, book by book in this way, so we can study on all topics presented to us. If it were up to me, I would not like to talk about demons and their agendas and their realities and their activities uh, for a couple reasons. Number one, I'm not a demon hunter or a demonologist, okay? I haven't studied too well in those areas. I just don't, doesn't intrigue me. I'd rather talk about Jesus, but Jesus here helps us to see what's really going on. And he wants us to understand the spiritual realm. And I love the way this story starts out. I'm going to read it again, verse 14. Open up your Bibles, turn there, look on the screens in front of you. And he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. And so it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke and the multitudes marveled. Can I get an amen right there? Can I get an amen? Jesus doing stuff. Jesus casting out demons. Jesus on the prowl. He's a couple weeks, maybe a couple months at the most from the cross, and yet he's helping people out one at a time. This is so fun. Okay, this is what we call the air war on Sundays where we reach a lot of people, the airwaves and people, hundreds and maybe a thousand people at our services today. It's big time. And yet Jesus has attention and agendas and power for each one of us individually. And he would stop the presses and pull alongside and say, hey, what's going on in your life? Let me deliver you right now. Let me step in and go to bat for you. And because where Jesus goes, every single thing gets better. The blind see, the lame walk, women are cared for and liberated, men are trained and discipled, the Pharisees and the legalists are put in their place. Listen, and Satan and demons are dealt with everywhere Jesus goes. We're we're in good company today as we study this because he changes everything. And in the verse I just read, in the following interactions with Jesus and the crowd, we're going to be looking at some of the influences and the activities of Satan and demons in our world, okay? And uh, let me just give you the big idea before I do a lot of talking, okay? This is the big idea, because I don't want you guys to miss out on what we're trying to unpack here. Uh, we're both physical and spiritual beings, okay? We're twofold in that way, maybe even threefold, like the Trinity, body, mind, spirit. But we are definitely body, and we are definitely spirit, and there is two things, if not three, in play at all times. Now, in our life, though, the physical variables that cause you to be who you are and react like you do, the physical stuff, like where you were born, what you look like, your DNA structure, your heritage, ethnicity, your size, disposition, these are all physical factors that will either hinder or help you along your way in life, okay? Okay. Just look around. There's physical stuff in play right now. We got old people. We got young people. We got married people singing. We got stuff, okay? We, we, got, we got strong people and weak people. We got all just physical things. Let me just ask you a few questions, okay? Were you born into a wealthy family or raised in poverty and hardship? This is a physical attribute. It's going gonna, it's gonna to dictate and determine a lot of how you grew up and what you experienced. Let me ask another question. Did you have success uh, academically uh, or did you miss the day when they were passing out intellect? Did you, you know... That's what that line was for? Oh, man, I was over here getting snow cones, you know. Like, I mean, I'm serious. You ever met, like, a smart person before? You're like, wow, I just don't. How did you? Was that? Oh, I missed that one. That was not on my calendar, you know. And It's a physical factor. There's just differences that are going to determine, then, how you live. Here's another question. Did you have good friends uh, in your life, or did you pick bad friends? 
that led you into bad behavior, and then you had a bad life. And so the big idea is that most of us are aware of our physical variables and factors. We're just aware of them. I just want you to catch this, because this may change everything for you moving on. When you look at the mirror, when you look at your finances, when you look at your marriage, when you look at your kids, physical factors come into your mindset right away. I didn't have a dad. I didn't have, my dad didn't hug me. My dad wasn't there for me. You know, I was abused as a child. Uh, I have all these physical things going against me. I, I wasn't smart. I wasn't poured into. Uh, I was born with a disability, whatever the case is. You know, whatever your physical reality that you think of when you look at yourself. Man, you got all these excuses and reasons. They're true. They're factors. You know, maybe you were born in the 60s. And you, you hold that against you. I was born in the 60s. I don't know. Man, you know, I was, I was, I was left-handed. I'm left-handed. They don't even have scissors for me. I got to go to the store and get scissors online. You know, left-handed and... I got big bones, that's my problem, you know, or whatever. There's all these physical identities, and we can easily identify those physical identities and variables and factors and maybe even setbacks. So, for example, I could ask you, hey, how are you doing? How's your life going? And you would instantly give me a physical variable and factor answer. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing okay, you know, I'm kind of busy. It's physical. I'm kind of tired. I haven't been sleeping good. It's physical. Man, I'm just stressed out. My finances, I can't get them figured out. It's, just, it's my finances. It's physical. Then my, my marriage, you know, it's just tough, and we're always bickering, and we're just, there's just not a lot of peace there. Physical. Man, my kids, I, you know, we, we want a kid so bad, and now we just can't wait till the kids are out of the house. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, physical. Man, my neighbors, they party all night long, you know, and I can't sleep, you know, physical. And when I ask you a question, and you ask yourself, how am I doing? Usually, the world around us factors in physical variables and factors. What we often fail to factor in, in addition to the physical, is the spiritual. Okay, my physical factors and your physical factors are easy to spot, easy to identify. Just, oh, yeah, it's this and this, you know. It's the spirit, here, here though, it's the spiritual factors. And Jesus gives us a snapshot deep into spiritual warfare and activity, how it works. So he talks about strong man and armor and binding and loosing and seven more evil ones coming back and Jesus with his finger picking off the devil and the accusation and the reaction of the crowd thinking that it's Beelzebub and he's using one demon against another. All this crazy stuff. I'll be honest. It's like, whoa, this is intense. And if I stood up here and only gave you physical advice and said, here's how you get your life right, make sure you eat right and get exercise and good sleep and don't go into debt, you know, and, and do all these physical things. That's good. You could apply that and you should. But when was the last time you had everything kind of worked out physically? It's just going good. But I ask you how you're doing, you're like, I don't know. I feel crazy. I feel nuts. I feel like I'm overwhelmed. I feel like I'm all alone, but I'm not all alone. I feel like I can't go on, but I can go on. I feel like I, I don't know enough, but I do know enough. And you just feel crazy. And you look around. When was the last time you looked around at the world and saw it upside down as it is today? It's crazy. Okay? And it's easy to spot the physical parameters, isn't it? It's easy to say, oh, yeah, it's that, that, Democrats, Republicans, you know, nonpartisans, you know, so them, you know, legalists and conservatives and, you know, liberal. Physical. It's all physical. And we live in a culture that doesn't allow for this conversation to happen publicly. Well, maybe it's a spiritual problem. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not the White House alone. Maybe it's not the legislation and the rules. Maybe that's not the only problem in schools today. Maybe it's a spiritual issue. And this is where we as Christians, again, I'm not a political person. I'm not going to go to the White House. I'm not going to go to some place on a march. I'm not doing that. And I don't advocate for that. But I do have my own battles. I do have my own issues that I need to fight 
that I need to know how to armor myself, both in the physical, but also what in the world is going on in the spiritual. Because if you're like these Jews here who saw what they saw, you're going to come to your own conclusions. If you're like this woman at the very end, you're going to miss the whole teaching in general. And say, oh, so your mom's amazing. <laughs> cool. She is. But did you hear anything I said? <laughs> and then do it. So our story, this guy has a physical problem. He can't talk. He probably can't hear either. He's probably a true mute. Okay, now how, how sad would it be to be this guy? I don't know his story. doesn't afford to us the details. Was he born this way? Don't know. I tend to think not. Okay, I just, just my imagination. Maybe he suffered something and found himself bound, at least in the story. We see kind of this warfare detailed. Either way, he wouldn't be able to live the same life that you and I can live, at least not in this way. If he was a dad, he couldn't tell his kids he loved them. If he was a preacher, he couldn't preach the gospel. He, he had all those things taken away from him. And Jesus helps him in his physical situation. How? By addressing a spiritual issue. Now let me say this, and hopefully I'll say it again so you don't misunderstand me. I don't believe every physical problem you suffer is spiritual in root. I don't believe that necessarily. Okay? There are certain churches and minority groups that say you got a physical problem, it's a spiritual root for sure. We can address the root and address the fruit and you'll be fine physically. I don't think that there's a clean line of connection there every single time. Sometimes your spiritual condition is intact, it's right, it's good, it's awesome, and your physical situation is upside down, it's broken, okay, physically. Reminds me of Fanny Crosby. Remember Fanny Crosby, the famous hymn writer? She wrote 8,000 hymns in her day, okay? I don't even know eight, you know, words that rhyme. She wrote 8,000 hymns, song, real songs that you could sing to God. And you guys know her story. At age 18 months, a quack doctor blinded her, burned her pupil, pupils and her irises in her eye and put some mustard seed in there and just busted her up. And she was blind forever. It wasn't a spiritual problem that led to a physical manifestation, but in reality it was a physical problem that led to a spiritual manifestation. Her problem, her handicap, actually caused her to be more spiritual. She was asked in the interview, would you change your blindness? Would you exchange this mistake? She said, oh, no, never. Do you know the first person I get to see when I get to heaven? The first person I'll ever remember. She was blinded at 18 months. She couldn't remember anything. The first person I'll ever see is Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm the most blessed person in the world. And you and I who have our eyes, we be like, oh, that's hardcore, that's hardcore. So I don't, don't. Don't listen to the lies that the devil might presume to you in your physical state that it's some sort of spiritual problem, but in this case, it is. Okay, that's why we teach it this way and study it out this way. Now, let me just pull back for just a minute, okay? Let me just pull you into here because I need you to get this. Most of you are tracking with me. We're on the same page. You understand this, and we're studying demons today, and, um, and, uh, but some of you aren't necessarily aware of the spiritual battle that currently rages. Let me just give you a quick overview of the history of the universe, okay? And... Um, it's not going to take long. Just sit there and listen. There'll be a test um, later. And uh, here's this brief history. Okay, God is eternal. He always has existed. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit forever. Okay, outside of time. Outside of time, he created time, which is where you and I now exist. And before time was created, I believe that God created universes and parallel universes where the spirits live. Spirits primarily the angels. God created the angels first to minister to him and to serve him. He 
Hebrews tells us that those same angels are now ministers of us and serve us in that same way. In eternity past, before humans were created, in that realm of spiritual delight with God and the angels, there was a rebellion. And there was a war waged in heaven against God. These demons led by their uh, general, Satan, did not want God to get the glory, but wanted the glory for themselves. Did not want to obey God, but wanted to have obedience to themselves. Did not want to serve God, but wanted to be like God. And so God, without hesitation and without really sweating at all, cast the devils, the demons, the fallen angels, out of heaven and away from his presence forever. Sometime after that, between Genesis Humans were created at that time as well, and then the war began to be waged on earth. Satan now is out of heaven on the earth, no longer has access to God and heaven, at least not freely. We see that in Job chapter 1, Jeremiah chapter 1. And uh, those demons then approached our parents, Adam and Eve, and uh, they targeted them and they fell to Satan's attacks in the garden. And the damages of satanic sin and carnage have been experienced in every generation since then. Matter of fact, I was talking up here with one of my friends right after prayer, and talking about life and just hardship. And anytime I see chaos, okay, families broken, just feelings hurt, hopes dashed, to me it just reminds me of Genesis chapter three, the very first sin, the very first attack, where Adam and Eve fell for the bait and did what they ought not to do, falling in allegiance with the devil and against God. And it's as if God looked at all of creation after that and said, oh, it's gonna be very painful from now on. Why? Because there's been a spiritual problem. And everything we now face moving forward is spiritually rooted and experienced physically in the manifestation in some way, shape, or form. And this is where the battle lies today. If you read the Bible or any secular history, you'll see the history of mankind. is pretty embarrassing. You guys have read history books? I mean, there's not one chapter of history that's like, oh man, they got it figured out. Even in the Bible. You read the Bible, Genesis 3 leads to Genesis 4, 5, and 6, where there's murder from the very first children of Adam and Eve, and then a flooding of the entire world, and then uh, Noah saves the earth, and then the first thing he does is plants grapes so he can make wine and have his own seafood and wine festival, and he gets drunk, and you know, it's just chaos after chaos, and nobody does it right. And it all starts with a spiritual battle, and it all stems from a spiritual battle. And yet we're so easy to identify the factors, physically, the variables in our lives. Man, if I just got some more sleep, I'd be nice to my spouse. That's it. I just need a better night's sleep. Really? That's it? There's not a spiritual root here? Or, or I'd be happy, man, if I could just get a raise. If I got that raise, man, I'd be happy. Really? Really? Or maybe it's not your finances, physically, that are determining your satisfaction in life. Maybe it's the root, spiritually, that needs to be tended to. This is why in our culture today, it just blows my mind, the pain. Do you ever read the news, like when you see a famous, rich movie star take their own life? And you're like, what in the world? That guy had everything, success, friends, family, pleasure, money. What in the world is going on? His physical varieties, or should I say variables and factors, are all dialed in. And yet there's a war in his heart. And the demons have taken over like this strong man. And none of us are there in that person's heart. You fill in the blank, whatever movie star, or rock star, or mega star you're thinking of. But it's not just them. It's everybody is dealing with 
spiritual foes on all different planes. Even just last week, I think it was Valentine's Day, everyone had their whole lives changed. A crazed gunman goes in, another school shooting, 17 lives taken prematurely. And, the, and, and I'm not here to get political or solve any of this. But every single person starts pointing at the physical. What was the cops? The cops were outside. You just, I saw that in the news just recently. The cops didn't go in and charge him. I'm like, dude, were you there? I don't know what that was like. Well, the FBI, they dropped the ball 32 times. They investigated the guy. Okay, physical. Oh, his parents had died, and he was in the foster system, and he was crazy. And Okay. Guns, he had a, access to a high-fire rifle. You got, they shouldn't have had. Okay, it's all, all physical. Every single person, all the media. And I would understand all that, and those would be good arguments to run through the grid and figure out how we can change things and where there is brokenness in the system. All of it's broken, by the way. Okay, it's not right. If I could even say this, for personally, we're doing our best. Okay, I'm pretty sure everyone's doing their best and blowing it horribly, physically, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm just doing my best, making mistakes all the time. But who's going to stand up? It's not going to happen. But in, in that case, and say, I wonder if, I wonder if there's a dem demonic darkness involved here with public school shootings. You know, I wonder if, wonder if that's the issue. I wonder if there's a, 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 a demon at hand. I wonder if there was a, an assignment given to this kid and to that gunman and to that group and to those ISIS and to that Taliban and to that terrorist and to that abuser and to that bully and to that person and to those people. I wonder if there's demons involved. I'm not a demon hunter and I don't advise you become one either. But to be aware, what's going on? Lest you then attack people, you get mad at them. Paul would come along the scene later and say, you know what? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and, and, the, and the rulers of the air. That's where the battle's at. It's not against people. It's so fun to attack people sometimes, isn't it? It's easy to spot your physical problems. Oh, you did that, you dummy? That's, you're the dummy. I'm not a dummy feels good to identify other people's physical stuff. The Lord says, what if it's not just that? So God creates this universe. There's a war and a rebellion. And we see it in our lives. And then check this out. Then enters into the story 2,000 years ago a young carpenter and a teenage peasant woman. And God visits them in the night says, I'm, I'm going to do something in your life. And they both spaz out. They both freak out. Luke chapter 1, chapter 2, we studied it 100 years ago. And God says, I'm going to do something. Just like God declared in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, to the first couple, Adam and Eve, when they blew it physically and spiritually and suffered, God said, I'm going to send my son. I got a plan. My son is coming. Genesis 3, 15. Proto-Evangelium, the first foretelling of God's plan of salvation, the gospel. And Jesus is born. And right from the very beginning, listen, of Jesus' life, the devil goes on the prowl after him. You know that, right? From the very beginning, when he was born, the devil was trying to kill him. Herod, the great, kills all the babies in Bethlehem and in that district, trying to wipe him out at, at a baby. At age 12, Jesus is lost, left in the temple. DHS is called. They get him back, almost blew the whole thing. The devil trying to take Jesus out. When Jesus is baptized by his older cousin, 
Immediately, the Bible tells us that Jesus is driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit and tested for 40 days. Attacked by who? By the devil. Trying to take him out, lead him away, lead him astray. And what we're studying here today, Luke chapter 14, along with Luke chapter 1 through 13, we've already studied, not Luke 14, Luke 11, verse 14. What we're studying here today, though, is, if you would, Luke, as he wrote it down, this memoir of the battle. In comes Jesus. <laughs> Stars align. Shepherds get sung to by angels. Wise guys from the east travel years. Everything's changing. This is like the epic, climactic, insane rescue plan. Jesus. And he comes on the scene. And Jesus, one by one, battle by battle, wages victory. If you study this gospel and the two previous, and the one after, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Memoirs, stories of Jesus going from one battle to the next, setting people free, being attacked by demons himself, being accused, ridiculed, people running at him. And if you have studied ancient battles, World War II, World War I, Six-Day War, if you study, read the books on it, there's a, there's a big deal. Like, oh, it's a war. But then there are scenes within each war, within each battle that bring some skin to it. Some real instances. Somebody's story. Let me tell you about my story. If you ever sat in the presence of a war hero, okay, it's, it's very humbling. That if you haven't been to war, you haven't seen the carnage, and you're with somebody who has been to the battle, and you're drawn, and you're like, oh, are you kidding? This, this is how our freedom was paid for? This is what you endured. This is what's really happening. And we live in a very sanitized society here in little South Beach in America. We're just very, ah, you know, it's very cool. And scenes like this remind you and me, hey, 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 <laughs> this is crazy. And if you read, and we're going to finish the Gospel of Luke, I promise, one day. And then we're going to study the book of the Revelation. Because it's happening. It's going to happen. Jesus is coming in his kingdom. As he came in his kingdom 2,000 years ago and began with his finger picking off the devil, spending 40 days with Satan himself, resisting everything he brought to him in temptation with the power of the word of God. Jesus, flawless, living physically. Plenty of physical factors and variables against that guy, plenty. Born out of wedlock, oh. Born in poverty, oh. The, the son of God, really? All these problems. And yet Jesus lived physically, and he fought spiritually, and he was victorious in both camps. And we're down here, and you, you're probably just like me. You are, you are physically aware of what's going on. You're so aware of the shootings. You're aware of what's happening in the schools. You're aware of your own marriage. You know how much money you have in the bank and how much money you don't have. You know your APR on your credit card loans. You have their number on speed dial. You call them every morning, sorry guys, you know, whatever. Like, you know the problems. You know the doctor appointments you have this week. All this stuff, I do too. I know all that stuff. Very aware of it. But I tend to forget there's a spiritual battle raging and that my king is victorious and that he wants me to understand and to not get downtrodden and to not get discouraged and to not get distracted from what's happening because there's chaos all around us fullness of time jesus is born 
Luke details this. So we might study and so we might know. Luke is a physician by trade. He's a doctor, but he's also a spiritual man. How many of you guys are tracking with me so far today? Like you get this, okay? It's not just a physical problem you have right now. It's not just because you keep making mistakes. You, you maybe do keep making mistakes. I get it. It's not because you have a past. I get it. I have one too. But there's more than meets the eye. And Jesus wants us to understand who he is. He says, the devil, by the way, did you guys know that the devil, Satan himself, his prototype, his rival is not God, okay? His rival, if you would, his prototype, his comparison would be the archangel Michael or Gabriel. He'd be like one of those guys, okay? Just one of many other angels, big angels. He's, like, he's not like God and Satan or, you know, arm wrestling, and it goes good for God some days and, you know, bad for God on other days. Don't, it's not like that at all. We're talking a puny angel, okay, that has fallen because of his autonomy, his rebellion, his pride, his sin, independence, okay, all attributes of the American dream. <laughs> and the Lord says, I'm sending my son, and he's going to change people's lives, Look at verse 14 again. It says that he casts this demon out. Notice that Jesus doesn't negotiate with or seek to manage or reform this demon. He just casts him out. And this is how you and I need to approach those spiritual areas in our life where we're being oppressed or tormented. It just needs to go. Just in, God, in Jesus' name, by the authority of God, it just needs to go. Jesus doesn't give, the, here's the deal. There is spirituality. There is new age-ism. There is all kinds of Middle Eastern weirdness in our cultures. There's all kinds of history. Every culture has a history of weirdness, okay, spiritually. Okay, whether South America or North America or Central America, Native Americans, there's all kinds of stuff. We're like, oh, you know what we need to do is, and that's what they accuse Jesus of. Oh, he's just using Beelzebub to cast out a demon. <laughs> what? This is like, you know, black magic and white magic, you know? This is like a good witch doctor and a bad witch doctor. I'm going to get my fortune read by a good fortune teller. And I go, what? I would do, say again? No, 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 stop. There's no such thing. Jesus is saying here, if you don't gather with me, you scatter against me. You're either with me, 100%, 1,000%, or you're on a, a different team. Okay? And this different team has a big bucket full of all kinds of different names. Okay? Shamanism and Taoism and weirdism and you know, all this other isms and palm reading and crystal balls and weird stuff, dream catchers, all of that stuff. All this stuff's over here in this bucket. And Jesus says, I'm over here. Okay, I'm over here. I'm in charge. And you need to follow my lead. Get out. And he casts out this demon. There's no connection with other things. Now, the reaction I've already kind of pointed out to you some discredit and disbelief and they just, well, it's just he's just doing it this way or the other others ask for a sign they show us some stuff which to me is funny jesus is doing this is so funny by the way i don't think there are, maybe there are maybe there's a critic here today he's like i don't know if i'm gonna believe all this stuff once god i'll check it out if god proves to me that he's legit i'll go all in okay by the way the records are already in they've already been calculated and analyzed you just need to make a decision Jesus casts out a demon. This guy talks. They're like, prove it. <laughs> what? I just don't know what you mean. Prove it. No, you're just a hater. You're not gonna, you, there's nothing to do. There's not, evidence has already been presented. Make a decision. And the, by the way, for you who want to be successful in your allegiance to Christ, 
okay, in your marriage, in your parenting, in, in your own sanity. You may make a decision today. No matter what you feel or say or what you want, you're in it to win it with Jesus. Okay, I don't need anything else. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. I know the rules, okay? I'm the loose variable. I'm the weak link. I'm the messed up one, and everything else around me is going to present a problem. Jesus is right. That's the truth. That's the way, and that's the life. Look at verse 17, but he knowing their thoughts said every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. A house divided against itself falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say I cast out demons by Beelzebub. Beelzebub. Verse 20 though, check this out. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. This is, if you see it, it's happening right now. If I'm doing what I'm doing, it's the kingdom of God. What are you waiting for? Go get excited. Know what's happening. I love how strong Jesus presents himself to be. I'm just using my finger. By the way, you Bible students, Jesus would take that same finger and he would extend it outward and he would allow nails to be pierced through both of his hands and he would be hung on a cross and blood would come out of his body. And the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 that the handwriting of requirements against you was blotted out through his blood. How is he going to undo the devil and off in your life? Through the cross. Jesus knows what he's doing. And one by one, he's picking them off. And Luke records his memoirs of his battle. But Jesus will go to the cross and he will cry out, Te telestai. It is finished. The mission is accomplished. That's what it means. Done. I came to do and have done what I came to do. Jesus wants them to know it and us to know it as well. He says, when a strong man, verse 21, is fully armed and guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes and takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. Stop right there, eyes up here. Did you know that Jesus is the toughest guy? <laughs> okay, in, in a fight, guess who wins? The toughest guy, just so you guys know, okay? The toughest guy wins. Let me just give you the way this works. Jesus is tough, and he's the toughest, and he kicks out the devil with ease. That's good news. I need to remind you of this, though. The devils are tough and more tough than you, okay? And you cannot kick them out apart from him. But if he comes into your life, he's able to kick them out on your behalf. It is Jesus who fights your battles. Oh, but I'm not good enough. Bingo. But I'm not strong enough. That's right. But I've failed under pressure. Me too when a stronger than he comes along. Jesus goes on to paint this picture of a strong man leaving a house and it's swept and put in order. And when he comes back, he brings seven of his demon friends with him. And let me just, I don't have time to unpack this and we're just gonna hit it and end. The world today is after, listen, reformation. The world wants Legislation, reformation, new rules, new agenda. Just, just Let's fix it physically. Ref, let's reform things. We need reform. And Jesus is saying reform, a swept house? That's kind of cool. Problem with a reformed house that's not also regenerated, inhabited by the Holy Spirit, is it'll become seven times worse than it was at the beginning because of its godless nature. So too, you and I. Our biggest problem is not getting everything clean. That's not the biggest problem. Our biggest problem is becoming born again. 
And when we're born again, when we're regenerated, that will lead to reformation. Regeneration leads to reformation, but reformation apart from regeneration leads to frustration. Come back to the 11, I'll say it again. You can hear it then too. I don't have time to unpack that, sorry. Marco, hold on. It blesses my heart that the kids have so much fun at church here. Pray, pray for our Sunday school kids. <laughs> Pastor Rory just gave me the nod. He heard the clap. Let's look at this final portion and then we'll be done. Verse 27 and 28. And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice, said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. But he said more than that, which is, he's agreeing. But he said, you want to know what's, what's crazy? Like, of course my mom's blessed. She's Mary. Everyone loves Mary. She's blessed. But let's not talk about Mary. More than that. He's not just the mom of me, but the brothers and sisters in my family. More than that. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. How can you be more blessed than Mary? By hearing the word of God and doing it. Okay? How do you hear the word of God? Come to church like this? That's why I yell at you guys for an hour, you know? You hear the, I, heard the, I heard something. I don't know what I heard. I heard something, you know? I'm telling you what, though. Hear the word of God. You need to redeem your time, your commute to work, your, your time on the treadmill, your, your time in devotionals, your week. Redeem. Hear the word of God. Don't neglect that, but also don't stop with that. Okay? Did you know that hearing the word of God is not enough? You have to do it as well. You guys know that, right? You ever read a book on exercise? And then looked in the mirror and you look worse? Because you just read a book, you know? You're like all beat up, like, oh, I look worse, you know? Eating, reading a book on exercise, eating chips, like, it didn't work. I mean, how, you, how many of you guys watch a documentary on, like, eating well, you know? But, like, you still, you didn't do it. Information and application leads to transformation. This is crazy, because we love information. We love being smart, don't we? We love watching infomercials, not infomercials. We love watching documentaries. We love reading good books, smarty pants books, you know. We love, I mean, I, got, I, guess I, read, I read a really smart book, you know. Well, did, did you put it into practice? Did you stop anything or start anything? No, but I'm smarter now. Well, no, you're not. You're deceived, James says. James says, don't just hear and not do, otherwise you're going to be tricked into thinking you're doing. Happiest people in the world are those that hear and do. So here's my final questions. I'm going to have the worship team come up. My final questions are this. How, how's your hearing going? Right? I mean, honest, just be honest. Are you hearing the word of God? Jesus concludes this time right here saying, hey, 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 stop, stop, time out. The most blessed people are the ones who hear my word. How's your hearing? Is it just Sunday mornings? Okay. Is, it, is, that, is that the only time? You need to repent. You need to figure that out. Next question, how's your doing? As a matter of fact, let me say something really profound. This might be the most profound thing I say all day. You don't need to know anything new at all. You just need to apply that which you already know. There is something perverse about each one of us that wants to know something new. Oh man, there's this new spiritual retreat coming up and this thing. And uh, Listen, you're not even doing the stuff you already know to do. You know, there's this new diet fad. It's going to work. This new exercise program. All the, all the other diets and exercise programs work just fine. They all work. Nobody's doing it. Don't be deceived into thinking, well, I just, ah, man, I just, 
do what you already know to do. You don't need more information. Last question. What areas in your life can you identify today that have a physical manifestation because of a spiritual problem? This is very serious. What areas today physically, and maybe, maybe for you it's none, praise, praise God. What areas physically can you attribute to not only your fault, you were probably there, you were probably complicit, maybe, not God's fault, but what if today you were able to say, the devil had it out for me? That was the devil. He sent an agent after me. He tried to take me out. That physical problem I'm dealing with now, whether it's anxiety or fear or guilt or shame, it's not because God's mean and mad at me or because I'm such a loser. I was targeted. I was targeted through that man or through that woman or through that substance, that drug addiction that took me down. It was the devil. And without shirking your responsibility. Able to find some peace today, though. Say, Lord, would you just, would you take care of that for me? Would you kick out the devil out of my head, and out of my life? Would you take care of that, Lord? Like this man in verse 14 who was mute, he couldn't talk, and you came in, and you didn't negotiate, you didn't arm wrestle, you said, enough, get out. And this man was saved and healed. And I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes right now so you'd be more comfortable reaching out to your Savior. And if you need spiritual deliverance today, you have a physical problem, there's just fear in your life, your relationships are all jacked up, you're mean, you blame yourself all the time, sometimes you blame God, but maybe today you're like, maybe there's another factor. Maybe there's something else in play. Maybe that, that's what I've been forgetting. The devil, he just wants me to be a meanie. I don't want to. I'm sorry. Lord, would you fight for me? I don't want to be disabled physically or spiritually anymore. I need to be healed. There's a battle. Jesus is coming. He already came. He already secured that victory. There will be a day when he'll appear again, and it's going to get nuts. But he's available right now. And if you need him to fight your battles right now, would you just raise your hand in Jesus' name? You need him. You want him. Lord, fight battles. Cast out devils right now in Jesus' name. Be gone. No negotiations. No comebacks. No returns. Gone forever. Lock the door. Bar it up. Inhabited by the Holy Spirit. Raise your hand up right now if you need deliverance in that way. Jesus, you see the hands that are up. And we invite you into our hearts, into our homes, into our minds, into our lives, into our marriages, and into our kids' lives, into our friends' lives, into everything about us, Lord, into this community. We invite you in, Holy Spirit. We need you. We want you. And we pray against the devil, his effects, his works, and his attempts in our life. In Jesus' name. Raise your hand up right now if that's you. Receive it. In Jesus' name. Lord, we do that by the great power that was displayed on the cross, the great blood that was shed on behalf of us. Fight our battles, we pray, Jesus. Forgive us of our sins. Do a mighty work amongst us. May we not be those who write it off and ask for more, but instead who marvel, who hear and do 
We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.